out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creek. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Out of Paper, episode number four, covering the office episode number four titled The Alliance. How you doing, Dan? Good, man. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing fantastic. Hell yeah. So what do we got this week in terms of news? In terms of news? Not a whole lot. Yeah, looks like uh, we got some Andy Buckley news. David Wallace, uh, as he's better known around these parts. Yeah. He uh, just turned 54. The big, that, the big 5-4. Was that today? No, it was like five days ago. Oh. <laughs> this isn't news. <laughs> well, happy birthday, Andy Buckley. It's news since the last time we met. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, that's cool. Yeah. He looks pretty good for his age. He does. Yeah. In fact, uh, when I was reading the comments on that post, there was a lot of women chiming in talking about how he was the most handsome cast member. Really? In the office? Yeah. Hottest in the office. Hottest goes out to goes David to Wallace. David Wallace. <laughs> uh, if only. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how he qualifies that you know it's just so subjective you know <laughs> I mean, what are what is this criteria <laughs> but uh yeah he is i never really thought about it but he's yeah. a good looking guy good looking cat yeah he looks like he you know takes care of himself maybe has some money i'm pretty sure in real life he probably does considering i mean we haven't gotten his character so we'll go into his background more when we do but wasn't he a cto Prior to acting in the office? I think so, yeah. Or CFO. Right. Yeah. It's got to be weird to, like, you know, do it. Well, I don't know how long he was a CFO for, but to groom yourself to a position and attain it and then Abandon start acting. For acting, yeah. And then the first major role you get is playing <laughs> what you just did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen him in a number of things outside of the office, too, so... Yep. Yeah, he did kind of run with that ball. Yeah, but I think most people, you know, probably would know him as David Wallace. All right. So, episode four, The Alliance, aired on April 12th, 2005. Um, the original cut came out to 37 minutes long. So, they were debating on making it a two part episode, one half focusing more on The Alliance and the other half fo- focusing more on. Uh, meredith's early birthday but uh they decided to trim it all down in one tight episode makes sense yeah it was written by michael schur is this the first michael schur written episode yeah hey look at that this guy is basically god's gift to television in my opinion really it's high praise I mean, I mean he's pretty great. Any sitcom worth his salt, he's pretty much had his hands in. That's true. Yeah. Quite a while now. Yeah. 
And he's also great as Moe's. Yep. And uh, it was directed by Brian Gordon. But first, let's introduce ourselves to Michael Schur. Yes. Michael Herbert Schur, born on October 29th, 1975, is an American television producer, writer, actor, and he's best known for his work on The Office. He was also co-creator of Parks and Recreation. Yeah, I didn't realize that Greg Daniels also co-created Parks and Recreation. Oh, really? I, I, I even knew that. Yeah, maybe I just didn't really know much about Greg Daniels before At the time. we started this. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because I knew it was two people who were there at the beginning of the office left to do parks and rec so yeah yeah no i knew that but some reason i associated the office more with michael sure even though i feel like greg daniels probably had much more direct hands in every episode seems like it yeah yeah uh originally proposed as a spinoff of the office which i never knew yeah, i didn't realize that either I knew it was kind of supposed to be like a sister show, like well, yeah, they were doing another show in the style of the mockumentary. I wonder how they would have the tried to style. attach it to the office if they had gone that route. Yeah, I don't know. I feel the like they would have been. had to introduce some of those characters, and but it also makes me wonder if Parks and Rec would have taken place in Pawnee because it wouldn't. I, I can't imagine a scenario where any of those characters would meet. Maybe Dwight sends off his idiot cousin Andy after he's finally had it with him wrecking up his farm. He sends him to Pawnee, Indiana, where Andy, by chance, unites with Karen, who, out of disgust, has moved and changed her name to Anne. <laughs> he also co-created uh, the Fox NBC comedy series Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is still running. Have you ever watched that? I tried to get into it, but again, Andy Samberg, just not. not yeah, not, not your style. Not my style. It actually gained me an appreciation of Andy Samberg getting into that show, going through a few seasons. I should probably give it more of a shot. Yeah, I mean, it's. I haven't watched all of it. I'll say that. Okay. Yeah. Michael Schur was also a producer on Master of None, Aziz Ansari's oh, wow. series on Netflix. Yeah. I didn't realize that either. Mm-hmm. another great show and you're right i guess he is you know god's gift to sitcoms <laughs> really i mean yeah following that on september 19th 2016 sure created the good place which began airing on nbc uh, it's a supernatural series concerning philosophy and being a good person i really love that show it's great yeah one of the best current shows on tv in my opinion yeah i agree and that's in a time where there's just an amazing, incredible amount of really good shows on TV. Yeah, absolutely. And streaming platforms and we're, everything. We're definitely in the golden age of television. Yes. Yeah, I love how every episode of The Good Place is like an existential philosophy lesson. Maybe maybe not everyone existential, but... Yeah, but I mean, he does really, It's kind of teaches you philosophy. Yeah. In a way that's not boring. And ethics. and Yeah. yeah or preachy. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah. Oh, here's something interesting. In 2016, Schur and Rashida Jones, who played Karen Filippelli, co-wrote the teleplay of Nosedive, an episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. You didn't know that? I did not know that. Have you not seen that episode? I haven't. Oh. 
you should check it out it's a great episode yeah i haven't i've only seen like two or three episodes of black mirror i think for shame rob i know <laughs> one of these years yeah as an actor michael sure played moe Schrute, cousin of dwight Schrute. i believe we're gonna meet moe's here pretty shortly in the second season yeah is the the uh the training day episode i don't know if it's called training day but is that the first I think time that's we the meet first time we meet moe's yeah Mose? and then after that it's uh bed and breakfast yes he's been nominated for 14 primetime emmys wow winning two for his work on saturday night live and the office huh. and michael schur is married to jennifer philbin who was formerly a writer on the OC and is daughter of the television star Regis Philbin. Wow. Yeah. That's Boncos. <laughs> <laughs> and they have two kids together. Uh, so moving on to the director of the episode, his name is Brian Gordon. He's an American television and film director, writer, and producer, and he's primarily known for directing comedy television shows. I feel like... I imagine almost everybody who's listening to this podcast has probably seen his name outside of the office, you oh, know, yeah. like he's done shown across their television so screen. So many shows. Yeah, it's ridiculous. He is a veteran at this point. Um so he grew up in Dover, Delaware, graduated from the University of Delaware in nineteen sixty nine. Uh he moved to New York and began his career as a comedy writer on the ABC late-night variety show called Fridays. And he happened to be writing for that show with Larry David in yeah. the early 80s. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also another Larry David connection in his career in the future, but we'll get to that. Uh, he became an independent filmmaker, writing and directing the Academy Award-winning short Ray's Male Heterosexual Dance Hall in 1987. Uh, he wrote the feature film Pie in the Sky, starring Anne Hesch, John Goodman, and Josh Charles. And he also directed the feature film Career Opportunities. Have you seen any of those? Um, no. Me neither. <laughs> uh, he's directed... Show, uh, episodes of TV series such as Grace and Frankie, The Office, Weeds, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, The West Wing, Ally McBeal, Boston Public, Sports Night, also starring Josh Charles, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Freaks and Geeks, and The Wonder Years. The list goes on, but those are the big ones. Yeah, that's, I mean, plenty. Mm -hmm. And in 2009 and 2010, he directed and produced the series Party Down. Also fantastic show. Yes. Starring Adam Scott. Adam Scott, who was also in Parks and Rec. Yeah. Uh, he's been nominated for an Emmy Award twice, both for episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm that he directed. Ah. And he's directed an episode of Curb pretty much one episode a season except for season eight interesting yeah he didn't do any seinfeld though i mean he might not have Doesn't i, look I like only it. ask because i know larry david likes to reuse a lot of his uh his favorite people yeah no it doesn't look like it huh well he's certainly done enough besides that yeah yeah i was kind of surprised that 
that didn't come up. Yeah, that is surprising. But the man has left his mark, that's for sure. Yeah, he certainly has. All right. Let's get into the episode. Let's do it. Michael! Oh, God! I, Dwight, come on! I wanted to talk to you about the downsizing. There's no downsizing. I, but if there were, I'd be protected as assistant regional manager. Assistant to the regional manager, Dwight. Yeah, so I don't have to worry. Look, right. look, look, look. I talked to corporate about protecting the sales staff, and they said they couldn't guarantee it if there's downsizing, okay? But there's no downsizing, so just don't... Bottom line, do I need to be worried? Mm-mm, maybe. <laughs> so, as that clip opened up, you see Dwight waiting outside of the bathroom, and he essentially pounces on Michael as soon as he leaves the bathroom. That's why Michael sounds so startled there in the beginning. I feel like the office has a strangely large amount of times people are waiting to ambush someone when they leave a bathroom. From the bathroom, yeah. <laughs> That's true. So time has dragged on. Rumors of downsizing are still still very much happening. Um, Dwight feels particularly threatened, which is, is kind of funny to me. He really shouldn't have anything to worry about. He's, you know... Assistant to the regional manager. Assistant to the regional manager and... Seems Probably like still the top salesman above everyone else. At this yeah. Point. We don't know for sure, but we can assume. It seems interesting that he's that concerned. Yeah. Maybe he has some level of self-awareness as to how literally everyone in the office feels about him. He could be nervous about his last interaction he had with Jan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, certainly could do it. Although he did save the company money picking a new healthcare plan. <laughs> Got to be some points in that. Yeah. Uh, and then we get a talking head from Michael. It looks like there's going to be downsizing. And it's part of my job, but blech, I hate it. I think the main difference between me and Donald Trump is that uh, I get no pleasure out of saying the words, you're fired. You're fired. Oh, you're fired. He just makes people sad. And an office can't function that way. No way. You're fired. I think if I had a catchphrase, it would be, you're hired. And you can work here as long as you want. But that's unrealistic, so. <laughs> I particularly like the line where he says, he just makes everyone sad. Yeah. <laughs> Not to get political, but. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, his tagline was, you're fired. Yeah. And uh, he's probably still making some people happy then, too. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he's got a pretty good Donald Trump. Yeah. It's not bad. It's, it's not funny. It's funny. You can hear five or six different people do a Trump impression, and they all kind of zero in on a different aspect of how he talks, but never, like, I haven't heard anybody that can really put it all together. Yeah. You know? You know, I feel like has a weirdly good one is, uh, I don't know if you've heard it, but that neighbor of mine who kind of, you know, will just, like, talk at you as he's coming in. and Oh, yeah, yeah. Start shouting about Trump. The guy who's always like <laughs> cursing under his breath. Yeah, no that guy. Happening. I yeah. feel like he's got a weirdly spot on Trump impression. I can like, see that. I don't know how he pulls it off. And he's got a very distinct voice himself as well. Yeah, he does. But he can just fall into that register. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I've tried. I can't do it. <laughs> so in an attempt to gather information about possible downsizing and who's on the chopping block. Dwight feels left out 
from a lot of the uh, water cooler banter because he brings his own water to work. So in an attempt to gather information, he uh, moves the water cooler right next to his desk. (laughs) (laughs) Which seemingly doesn't seem to last long, but, you know, he's Dwight. He does stuff like that. I love that. I love that it still works too, though. Even despite yeah. Stanley asking him why did he do this, <laughs> you know, he and Kevin are still just standing there. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it was moved here for uh, maintenance. maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So what's new, guys? What's the scuttlebutt? <laughs> I feel like this show taught me the word scuttlebutt. Really? Yeah, I don't know if I've ever. Is it scuttlebutt or scuttlebug? I believe it's scuttlebutt. Okay. It's a good word. I wonder I wonder what the origin of that word is. That's a good question. Yeah. We'll have to look into that later. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael's trying to devise a plan to distract from all these downsizing rumors that are whirling around the office. And uh, he has the brilliant idea to throw a party. He just wants to throw a party. So... Everyone's morale is boosted and these downsizing rumors are put to bed. So he brings Pam into his office and asks her who, whose birthday is next? Whose, whose birthday is coming up? And Pam basically says, no one, no one's birthday is, is anytime soon. Michael's like next on the list, just who's next on the list. <laughs> and we find that Meredith's birthday is next, but it's, it occurs the month following. Um, but Michael doesn't care. He thinks it'd be a fun surprise, and he's determined to distract everybody. Also seems like one of the rare months that they don't have a birthday in the office. I mean, they talk about how they celebrate birthdays all the time. So they have so many people working there. There's a birthday almost every month. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't have that many people I work with at my business, but... Seems to be about once a month. Do you guys celebrate it like they do in the office? You have a little party, you have some cake? No, I mean, my boss buys lunch for everybody. We get lunch catered on those days. Oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah. It's, it's great. Do you skip around the room? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's never that festive. It's just like everybody like happy to be getting a free meal. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so Pam doesn't agree with Michael and... This is what Michael has to say to her. Go ahead. Live a little. I'm not Pam. Come on, shake it up. Shake it up. Shake it up. Uh, Spock, are there any signs of life down there? Well, let me check, Captain. No, Captain, no signs of life down here. Just a wet blanket named Pam. Star Trek. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he did a really good job imitating the sound of the life scanner. It's pretty spot on. Yeah, I love that this is still a uh, early Pam who just has no patience for any of it. Yeah, I feel like she's a lot more similar to Don from the British Office in these you know, early episodes. Just right, looks at Michael like he's just insufferable. Yeah, I feel like it, I don't know when exactly it starts, but she definitely enjoys interacting with him later on, just kind of sees past his many issues. Yeah, there's definitely a tone shift after the first season, too. Like, 
in every one of these episodes so far, there's been like a moment where you like cringe and things get kind of depressing. Yeah. And I feel like things moving forward beyond this season, there's still moments, but largely there's, there's not like that big everyone's let down moment. Yeah. And just Michael is like way more obnoxious and <laughs> condescending on purpose towards his staff in this first season. I feel like he, yeah. he's always obnoxious and condescending, but it's usually not his intention later on. It's true. I mean, the, yeah. It's first season. Everyone's <laughs> still finding their, their niche. Yeah. Now all I can think of is uh, him telling Kevin never to allow himself to be a caricature. <laughs> jumping way into the future here yeah <laughs> so uh shortly following this uh we see the party planning committee convene for the very first time ppc yeah and uh spend hours in there consists of <laughs> phyllis angela and pam for most of its existence yeah, yeah. i feel like uh i guess that is kind of the only permanent committee yeah they break up and get back together and split and you know various various things happen but different power struggles ensue yes but this is this is largely the party planning committee as we know it yes um so they're trying to plan meredith's early birthday party and phyllis is a little insecure but she offers the idea of putting up streamers and she's kind of sheepish about it and apologizes immediately after suggesting it. And Angela uncharacteristically likes the idea of streamers <laughs> or just likes Phyllis, one of Phyllis's ideas, which but does she really like it or does she just like it so she can smash it down? <laughs> whatever comes next. Well, it was Pam. She ends up smashing down because Pam suggests green streamers and angela jumps in and claims that green is a whorish color that's actually not entirely correct it's actually phyllis that suggests the green and then pam agrees says green is nice right and then angela says it's whorish i also noticed phyllis is wearing a green sweater when she suggests green she kind of looks down at her own shirt says we can get green okay <laughs> so i feel like it might have all just been an elaborate dig this definitely is not leaving at phyllis <laughs> this isn't the first time that angela or the only time that angela does that this no is, this is just the first time and i mean she and phyllis have a you know oh yeah continuous history of butting heads oh yeah they're they're nemesis yeah you know what it is they're both strong personalities or big personalities personalities. when big personalities come together the results can be explosive (laughs) (laughs) oh phyllis so angela is played by angela faye kinsey uh an actress known best for her role as angela martin in the office uh she has or had a recurring role on the tbs comedy your family or mine and in the Netflix series, Haters Back Off. Uh, she had an interesting life. She was born in Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, when she was two years old, her family moved to Jakarta, Indonesia, where her father was a drilling engineer. Hmm. They lived there for 12 years. Wow. Yeah. She attended the Jakarta Intercultural School, 
And during this time, she learned Indonesian. Wow. A language that she still occasionally speaks. And her family returned to the United States and settled in Archer City, Texas. After that 12-year stint. Yeah, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. She studied at Baylor University and became a member of the Chi Omega sorority and took as many theater classes as possible. Uh, after graduating from Baylor in 93, she served as an intern on the NBC talk show Late Night with Conan O'Brien, which she described as an awesome experience. Very cool. Who was it that we've covered that uh, co-wrote a news show with Conan? Greg Daniels. Okay. Gregory Martin Daniels. <laughs> as the notes specify okay so yeah it was greg daniels who wrote with conan o'brien uh what show did they write together on a news show a comedy news show not necessarily the news not necessarily the news this is important because there's another interesting link between angela and uh greg daniels What's that? Well, you'll, we'll find out in a second. Oh. Kinsey moved to Los Angeles and took improvisation classes with the Groundlings, much like Oscar. Okay. And she was also at IO West, formerly known as Improv Olympic West, where she did a two-woman show. Uh, following that, she was an operator at 1-800-DENTIST and made small one-episode appearances in various sitcoms. She voiced the character Angela on two episodes of King of the Hill. In early 2005, she auditioned for the role of Pam Beasley on The Office. Producers told her that she was too feisty for Pam, so she was called back to audition for the role of Angela Martin, which she won. That would be a really weird show with her playing Pam. Just a very different vibe. Yeah, I don't think that would have worked at all. No. They would have... They would have had to get maybe somebody different to play Jim. Yeah. So I don't see them having chemistry. Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> in 2007, Kinsey shared in the Daytime Emmy Award Outstanding Broadband Program Comedy for her work on The Office, colon, Accountants, which was a series of webisodes. We're going to have to cover the webisodes. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I feel like I've seen a few maybe back when the show was on air, but I, I think I don't remember them. Yeah, I think I've seen them all at this point, but I've only gone through them once. It's not something I revisit every time I, I do my run of The Office. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kinsey is one of several cast members of The Office to have a role in License to Wed, a film directed by our favorite director, whose name we love to pronounce. Ken Quapi. Ken Quapi. <laughs> who often directed episodes of The Office, which we know. Uh, since 2014, Kinsey has starred in the Hulu comedy series The Hot Wives, returning for season two in August of 2015. Uh, she also. Returning? <laughs> well, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that show anymore but <laughs> at the time that this article was written that i got this information from she was returning for season two just so our audience knows we are recording this episode of this podcast in uh june of 2015 so 
<laughs> Holds up. <laughs> uh, she was also in Haters Back Off as Bethany, mother of character Miranda Sigmas. Yeah, she did a great job in there. So I hear I have not seen it. Yeah, nobody has. That's why I yeah. got canceled. Yeah. I think I'm one of the four fans. <laughs> and our voice just wasn't strong enough. I guess not. On June 18th in 2000, she married writer-producer Warren Lieberstein, who is the brother of Paul Lieberstein, who plays Toby Flenderson, who married Greg Daniels' sister. Wow. So, in a way, they're all kind of related by marriage now. Interesting. Right? And uh, she gave birth to their daughter in May 2008. And I believe it's the third season of The Office. It's very obvious at points that she is pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely noticed that. Mm -hmm. They do the typical they, tricks. They but, did. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, they did a pretty good job hiding it. But yeah. there at the end, it was, no offense, Angela Kinsey. <laughs> I'm not. Not hating on you. I'm well, just no. Saying, I mean, yeah. just, you know, people's bodies. Just if she's listening, I don't want her to be like, "Oh, those guys are assholes." Because I'm never going to do an interview with them. <laughs> that was totally on the table up until this moment. You were glowing and radiant. <laughs> uh -huh. And this is in character for her. Even um, she supports Alley Cat Allies a nonprofit advocacy organization dedicated to transforming communities to protect and improve the lives of cats. Sounds nice. It's very Angela. It is. Yeah. Uh, so following this, Michael walks into the conference room where the party planning committee had convened and he pitches his idea for an ice cream cake. I would like to interject sure. uh, real quick, just right before he brings up the ice cream cake, he uh, mentions that the party planning committee threw a great 80s party, mm. um, and they show a very brief shot of a newsletter that has Michael and Dwight dressed in 80s suits posing. Oh, that was the newsletter that was shown on. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you actually pause it, the newsletter has content, which I jotted down. Nice. That I would be happy to read. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, it's great. Uh, okay. Yeah, so the newsletter says, uh, welcome to yet another exciting edition of the Dunder Mifflin Employee Newsletter. Thanks to all the staff and new contributing writers for putting this together for all of you. And also many thanks to the folks at Design Town for printing this up for us. Hopefully you will find a lot of useless information contained herein, which will help you do your job better, faster, and quicker, and cheaper, and happier. As anybody can tell, this newsletter doesn't really have a lot to say. It's really just a prop to fill some space and sort of look like a newsletter without really being much of a newsletter at all. By typing a lot of words in two columns on the front of this page, we can achieve the look of a newsletter without really reporting much news or provide any real information to the reader at all. In fact, at times, you could probably get away with not using real English words, such as Kajawabibwipo, Avkirkjek, or the much-beloved Diffibluslekvlak. <laughs> These words can also be strung together to form a sentence, paragraph, or even a whole prop book, magazine, or newsletter. <laughs> and that is the Dunder Mifflin newsletter. I wonder if Michael Schur wrote that. 
It's very possible. Maybe it was yeah. collaborative effort in the mm-hmm. writer's room. Um, so there's a number of other times this newsletter comes up, and it's the same format every time. They just change the headline and the picture. Exactly. I was about to say that. Yeah. yeah. I read that as well. Yeah. So that's fun. Yeah. So anyway, back to the ice cream itself. Yes. yes. So Michael comes into the conference room and requests an ice cream cake. And oh, Meredith. Yeah, there's pushback from yeah. Angela and Pam, both saying that Meredith can't eat dairy. Mint chocolate chip! <laughs> She's <laughs> intolerant. And before Pam can get out the word intolerant, Michael just leans in and goes, mm, mint chocolate chip. <laughs> Would be great. Thank you. Mint chocolate chip. <laughs> um, and also goes on to say that this isn't really about her. Yeah. <laughs> this is just about his distraction from downsizing. He doesn't let that on. He just keeps saying it's not all it's not all about Meredith. It's too bad he hasn't bought the murder mystery game yet. <laughs> this could have all been avoided. <laughs> right. Uh so in an act of desperation, Dwight forms an alliance with his office nemesis, Jim. Jim sees the alliance as an opportunity with great potential and agrees to join the alliance as a lark using his coined phrase to anything that Dwight ever asks him, which is absolutely I do. I will. Uh, no, abs- or is it I do? No, no, you're right. I will. <laughs> hey, so listen, I was thinking that it might be a good idea if you and I formed an alliance because of the downsizing. I think an alliance might be a good idea. You know, help each other out. Do you want to form an alliance with me? Absolutely, I do. Good. Good. Excellent. Okay, now we need to figure out who's vulnerable and who's protected. There may be At others. that moment, I was just so happy. I mean, everything Dwight does annoys me. Did you get your tickets? To what? The gun show? And I spend hours thinking of ways to get back at him, but only in ways that would get me arrested. And then here he comes, and he says, no, Jim, here's a way. And there's one other thing, and this is important. Let's keep this alliance totally a secret. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. (laughs) So you're right. It's absolutely I do. Oh. Yeah. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) better verbal memory than me look at mr fancy pants who hasn't smoked half his brain away (laughs) (laughs) so right after dwight's request that he not tell anyone about the alliance of course the camera cuts to jim and pam talking about the alliance that he just formed (laughs) with dwight but he needs her as an accomplice. Yeah. Who knows better about the ins and outs in the office. Dwight looks over and sees Jim talking with Pam and runs over and tells Jim that he needs to ask him a question about some paper products. <laughs> Takes him into the break room and accuses Jim of telling Pam. And Jim like calms him down. Just like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to use her for information. Like if there's anyone who knows 
anything about anybody in the office, it's going to be Pam. So she's useful. It might look like we're, you know, laugh. There's going to be a lot of laughing. There's going to be a lot of looking around, looking at you. You just, I'm, we're just using her. She's just part of the plan. Dwight's like, yes, good. I like it. And uh, following this, <clears throat> cuts to Michael in his office, agonizing over what he's going to put in Meredith's birthday card. Claims that the bar is really high for him because A, he's like known for being funny and B, with all this downsizing, he's got to really, he's got to really turn it on. Yeah. Can't just be something like, uh, what is this example? You know, Meredith? Yeah. It's the same ever- thing. It's the same thing that Pam en- ends up writing in her card. It's oh. <laughs> Meredith. Happy birthday. Uh, best wishes. Best wishes. <laughs> love Pam. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i love the the michael uh that like continuous trait of him knowing what the right thing to say would be in a given situation (laughs) and then purposefully rejecting it and going in an entirely different way yeah (laughs) like with uh oscar and pam at the uh the job fair much later on i would never say this to her face but She's a wonderful person, <laughs> gifted artist. <laughs> uh, oh, that's so good. <laughs> or even with Pam uh, giving Michael a second try for his uh, his phone oh, yeah. calls, his uh, greetings every time he picks up the phone. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Jan Levinson, I presume, <laughs> still me. Hey, Jan, how you doing? Yeah, hey, Jan, how you doing? <laughs> that's so good. Uh, oh yeah and uh while michael's trying to come up with something he looks at what jim wrote in the card which was happy birthday meredith um something about you're not a year older you're an accountant just fudge the numbers i think it sounded like it was like happy birthday meredith like i hear you're gonna be 48 but like you know yeah you're an accountant you can just fudge the numbers yeah and that's weird because she's definitely not an accountant right and like no, she is at this point nobody michael doesn't even bat an eye yeah yeah i wonder if that was initially the plan to you know have her just be one of the accountants i guess if she Could is be. then the office has four accountants yeah which seems really excessive for like an office with less than 15 people in it <laughs> i feel like they've talked about the accounting department and she's never been included in those talks at this point no so. Yeah, maybe he just doesn't really know what his employees. Well, I guess that's Jim, possible. So you know, but I mean, maybe Jim doesn't know either. I mean, he doesn't really seem to be that invested with many people in there. That's true. Yeah, I don't know if he's. We've ever seen him interact with Meredith before. Not yet. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Yeah, but even then, still not a lot. You know, there's a nah, few times yeah. they don't have a lot of screen time together. So Dwight and Jim are standing outside the break room. They're looking in. Kevin and Toby are eating lunch together. Dwight thinks this is very suspicious that (laughs) an accountant would be sitting and eating lunch with an HR rep. So Dwight sends Jim in to snoop on Kevin and Toby to see if they're possibly forming an alliance. He gets Uh, some good intel. Yeah. Jim, (laughs) Jim walks in and... Just launches into a conversation with Kevin about his sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Their bread is very good. Their bread is very good. 
really sells that bread. I kind of want to try that I sandwich. Know, right? <laughs> I love a good Italian. Yeah. Um, Got loaded with all the fixins. <laughs> <laughs> so the scene cuts to Jim and uh, Dwight standing in the parking lot. Jim's giving Dwight the lowdown of everything he learned in the break room with Kevin and Toby. And he tells Dwight that Kevin and Toby are forming an alliance and their first target to get kicked off is going to be Angela. <laughs> Jim obviously using uh, quotes or, I guess, um, terms used in the TV show Survivor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why that connection. That's but. why in the deleted scene he kept trying to get Dwight to say immunity. Ah, because that's also a term they you use. Yeah, that in the didn't show even occur to me either. Yeah. It's also a pretty fun deleted scene from their parking lot meeting where uh Jim says he's gonna go upstairs and Dwight should stay in the parking lot as not to raise <laughs> suspicion and he asks Jim what he should do, and Jim recommends to pretend that he's smoking. <laughs> and we see a great thirty second sequence of <laughs> Dwight miming, smoking a cigarette. Yeah. I love that uh, after he ashes and stomps out his imaginary cigarette, he does a little... <coughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice that. That's hilarious. Uh, so at one point, Dwight's frustrated that uh, Toby and Kevin are forming an alliance, and he kicks the hubcap of the car they're standing next to. And apparently during the filming... Uh, they were standing next to Phyllis's car, like her actual car. Uh-huh. And every time they had to do a reshoot, Phyllis made sure to tell Dwight, like, just don't kick the hubcap too hard. <laughs> this happened a number of times, apparently. Yeah, I wonder if he actually damaged it at all. Hopefully not. No, I doubt it. I mean, unless it was one of those, like, fake plastic hubcaps kicking, kicking one of them isn't going to do anything. Unless you have, like steel souls yeah that's true yeah i also wanted to bring up uh i noticed i was just thinking about while i was watching this episode uh you know this is the first time we really see dwight team up with anybody and it's jim but we see dwight team up with a lot of people in the office over the series run for various reasons we don't see it a lot from other characters but dwight does like a good team up yeah he just finds anybody to suit his purposes i wrote down that he teams up with at various points. Ryan, Andy, Phyllis, Angela, Pam, Oscar, Daryl, Kelly, Toby, and Jim, obviously. And maybe, and Michael, of course. And probably more people that I have not even thought of. Yeah. The only one I could think of he for sure never teams up with is Creed. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. We'll have to make note every time he teams up with someone now. Yeah, we should. But yeah. he, uh... He forms a lot of alliances. Yeah. That Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, cuts back to Michael in his office. He's still agonizing over what he's going to put in that birthday card. He, uh, he <laughs> starts singing, Mary has a little lamb, but replaces it with Meredith. And Meredith <laughs> has a little lamb, but don't bring that lamb to the office because he might poop on the floor. <laughs> he just... Just can't come up with anything. Some fun deleted scenes. Yeah. Coming up with ideas, too. There once was a girl named Meredith from Dunder Mifflin. (laughs) She brought a great big sniffling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Uh, And 
in the middle of his brainstorming, Oscar walks in and he asks Michael uh, if he'd like to donate to his nephew's walkathon fundraiser. And uh, <clears throat> Michael, being the charitable guy he is, offers to donate $25, not realizing that your donation was per mile. I'm going to give you $25. That's, that's, that's very generous. Oh, that- my gosh. Well, listen, Oscar, generosity and togetherness and community, all convalescences into morale is what I say. So <laughs> It's funny how obsessed Michael is with morale. Yeah. And his continued worse of or use of the wrong words in any given situation. <laughs> I assume he was going for coalesces. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what convalesce actually means? I had to look it up. I wasn't one hundred percent sure. It means to uh, recover from an illness or an operation. <laughs> Convalescences <laughs> into morale. Uh, so following this. Pam walks over to Jim's desk, making sure that Dwight is in earshot as she tells Jim that uh, she's been in meetings with Michael taking notes and they've been talking about the downsizing and, you know, which employees are are being considered to be let go. And, you know, she's Pam's all concerned because she's like, oh, these people are my friends. How can they be doing this in front of me? And and she has this juicy gossip that she just has to get off her chest but she doesn't want to say if jim's going to tell somebody so they they leave in private to go talk about it and dwight the whole time is just like celebrating says jackpot yeah (laughs) spying from the corner Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then it cuts to a talking head of jim talking about he's just enamored with pam because that whole that whole shtick was her idea, and he just loves the fact that she can, like, really get on board with these pranks. Yeah. yeah. As he, he wistfully says, oh, she's just so oh, she's great. She's just so great. Just like, yeah. Really into her. Yep. Yeah. Big fan. Yep. So Michael calls <laughs> Dwight into his office to help, uh, hoping that Dwight has some tips for his birthday card blurb. <laughs> and uh michael's like you need to give me something something on the inside something funny that you know no one else is gonna <laughs> is gonna do and dwight starts listing off all of meredith's <laughs> like i don't even know just basic, background <laughs> yeah background info <laughs> <clears throat> what is her background she's been divorced twice <laughs> mm-hmm. had a hysterectomy God, Dwight! No, no, no. First, Michael has to ask, oh, yeah. like, no, like, which, is... one, which one is that? It's <laughs> <coughs> where they remove the uterus. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, his reaction is uh, freak out. Yeah. That that's Dwight's recommendation. But then, in the deleted scene that was cut, he, uh... Well, actually, no, I guess Dwight just misunderstood him. I was gonna say he asked Dwight to find a good joke. <laughs> Dwight says about her hysterectomy. No, Dwight! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It looks like it's the first time the Dundies are ever mentioned in that scene. Uh, That's that right, because Dwight, Dwight's info. Yeah, Dwight brings up yeah in uh, Meredith's rundown that she's one, two Dundies. Ooh, nice use of rundown. Oh, yeah. Used it in a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
only Jim had heard me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, cuts to Jim and Dwight talking about their alliance stuff again, and Jim informs Dwight that uh, he found out that there is an alliance meeting happening in the warehouse during the birthday celebration of Meredith. And of course, Dwight wants to spy on that meeting to see what's being said. So Dwight's like, I've got the perfect idea of what to do. Him and Jim high five. And then you see them down in the warehouse and Dwight's climbing into a box. (laughs) And then it cuts to Michael. He's finally committed to a birthday blurb. He quickly puts the card in the envelope and runs out to get everybody gathered around to surprise Meredith and uh, cuts back down to the warehouse. Jim is uh, taping Dwight into the box. Very thoroughly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like at least six or seven layers of tape going across that seam. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's very hard to notice, but on a rolling cart, like behind Jim... They uh, have a rat in a trap underneath it. And they actually went so far. They actually put enough effort into just that one little bit of symbolism that they bought an animatronic rat. Wow. To put in the trap. That's a lot of work for something that I, in many rewatches, have never one time noticed. Right? Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot of... uh, Really thinking ahead there. Yeah. Uh, it's very subtle. All right. So Meredith finally gets back with Angela. So I, I assume that Angela probably like took her out on a birthday lunch or something to get her out of the office. Well, yeah, that's what it seems like, which is also, I, I noticed that when they came back. That's yeah. a very odd pairing. Right. I mean, once we get to know them, yeah, right. You know, right now, as we know them, not really, you know. Yeah, we don't know enough about them to yeah. see that, but I, I don't think we ever see no Angela in a one-on-one with Meredith. Angela wants nothing to do with Meredith, ever. No, she's, like, disgusted by the idea of they're even kind of, physically touching Meredith. Yeah, they're kind points. of polar opposites of one another. Uh-huh. They really are. Uh, So, they walk in, everybody yells, surprise. And Meredith has no idea what's going on, so she turns to Angela and echoes the surprise. Yeah, no, it's for you. (laughs) It's for you. (laughs) And, uh... Do we have a clip? We do. You were surprised, weren't you? Yes. You look freaked, man. We said surprise. You were like, what? What the hell's going on here? It was quick. Why don't you have some? I I can't. um, Come on, a little bit, a little bit. I can't eat dairy. Oh, right. Oh, God, too bad. It's so good. That makes me sick. You know, if I were allergic to dairy, I think I'd kill myself. This is way, way too good. So, uh, fun fact about that scene. Apparently, they had to shoot it, like, 12 times just because there was, like, a lot of, like, technical stuff they had to get right because there's, like, you know, a lot of people in the scene and everyone's kind of clumped in like various areas of the office. And anyway. And wasn't it also like 7.30 a.m.? Yes, it was 7.30 a.m. <laughs> and they were actually eating ice cream cake. Mm-hmm. And they had to shoot this scene over and over again. And every every time you see the scene, like Michael's at least taking like three to four bites. Yeah. He's just shoveling it in. Yeah. And uh, apparently... He got physically sick after eating so much ice cream cake. And apparently everybody else there that was involved in that scene also just felt 
awful. Yeah, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> no, me either. It does kind of surprise me they didn't like take that into account and have buckets on the ready for everybody. Well, I mean, you never know how many shoots it's going to be going into production. Well, no, but that's why I, I think a lot of shoots, like, you know, when they have a scene that's going to revolve around eating, they kind of assume that, you know, even if they only shoot it once, the actor might not want to eat the food, so they kind of provide them a way to discard spit it the out food. Yeah, yeah, when they're done with the shot. Right, okay, I see what you're saying. I thought you meant... Get everybody buckets because they're all going to be. Oh up. no, God! <laughs> they're eating so much ice cream. That's like cake. the whole next level of what I was going for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I remember like when we uh, were you with me when you saw Andy Daly. You were there, right? Yeah. And yeah, when he did the Q and A section about his show review, where uh, he had uh, to eat the pancakes. you know fifteen and then thirty pancakes. <laughs> And somebody asked him, you know, how many pancakes did he actually eat? And he said, you know, he had a bucket there and. But he said that he estimated that, you know, just from like <laughs> swallowing in between shots accidentally and bits that would be like he probably ate at least two and a half full size pancakes <laughs> while he was shooting those scenes. Oh, man. <laughs> so I guess it's not foolproof. I love I love his reaction once he receives that the the challenge the second time to eat even <laughs> yeah. more pancakes than the first. <laughs> Immediately following up, divorcing his loving wife for right. years. <laughs> oh, oh my god! <laughs> oh. For anybody that has not seen it, who's listening to this uh, review with Forrest McNeil, it's not on anymore, but it's Comedy Central show starring Andy Daly. Really fantastic stuff. Mm-hmm. Really dark. It does get dark. Very very dark. <laughs> Disturbing. It's a bit of but a puzzler. <laughs> <laughs> watch that show um <clears throat> yeah great show mm-hmm. recommended for everyone i love michael's impression of meredith while he's got like ice cream cake <laughs> i wanted to bring that up soon <laughs> oh my god what's going on <laughs> oh that was it's like she's an elderly valley girl yeah. i don't know what he's going for yeah <laughs> uh, it's great. doesn't sound anything like her no <laughs> And then I also love him just sitting there eating ice cream cake in front of her going on about it. if he was allergic to dairy, he would kill himself. <laughs> kill himself. It's just too good. Oh, my God. Which, considering what we learn later, am I wrong in assuming that maybe a member of the office had committed suicide not too long before this, like, hypothetically would have been shot? Oh, you're right. Yeah. Whoa. But I guess Michael doesn't truly understand depression yet <laughs> probably thinks it's just a fancy word for feeling bummed out <laughs> <laughs> following the surprise jim informs pam that dwight is just <laughs> sitting in a packaged box in the warehouse so uh she sneaks down and pretends that she's one half of the alliance group that's supposed to meet there. And uh, she pretends to receive news about the downsizing. And Pam pretends like, oh, that lines up with something Michael told me earlier in a meeting. And uh, Dwight, of course, 
he's very interested and like wants to get a better look. So you see his knife yeah, he poke pokes through another the box. hole. <laughs> he pokes another hole and he starts like inching the box like towards Pam. <laughs> and in while doing that, the box ends up falling over. Uh, inter- uh, interesting tidbit. That wasn't actually actually Dwight in the box during that scene. Yeah, as a crew member, right? Right. I also wanted to bring up a thought. Um, I believe this is the first time we've seen the warehouse in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's actually not only is it the first time we've seen the warehouse, it's the first time we've seen anything that's not the main office area or the parking lot. Or the parking lot, yeah. And uh, it's interesting how these episodes have all taken place solely in the office, which uh, is going to change very soon, Mm -hmm. I guess, with their budget and, you know, trying to kind of restructure it. It's possible the set for the warehouse hadn't been built for the first three episodes. That's possible, too. Mm -hmm. And uh, it still might not even be fully built for this one. We only really see a small section of it. Yeah, that's true. We see a lot more of it in the next episode. Yeah, I was going to say, by the next episode, it's pretty fleshed out. But, uh, yeah, and it's interesting how, you know, they just are only in the office for these first few. And then I feel like in later seasons, it's almost rare that they spend a majority of the episode actually in the office. Usually their groups Mm -hmm. are going to be going somewhere else being followed or maybe all of them for some event. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would say at least one or two characters are like out and about. Yeah. People just hanging out, coming and going, eating apps. <laughs> it's like Dave and Buster's. <laughs> so following this, we get a scene between Michael and Jim. It's uh, really our first like casual Michael and Jim conversation. Yeah. You know? Um, but Michael just kind of walks up to Jim like, oh, hey, how's it going? The subject of the walkathon comes up because... Michael thinks Jim was stingy for only donating $3 <laughs> to this walkathon and Jim informs Michael that about how a uh, walkathon donation works. Oh, I don't know. Money isn't everything, Jim. Not the key to happiness. You know what it is? Joy. You should remember that. Maybe give more than $3 next time. Yeah, well, $3 a mile is going to end up being like 50 bucks. So, God, I can't even calculate what you're going to have to give. <laughs> and following that, Michael just gives like a thousand yard stare right into the ground. <laughs> also some important words of wisdom to remember from Michael. You know, <laughs> yeah. the key to happiness is not money. It's joy. It's joy. <laughs> remember that. <laughs> like he's imparting some deep wisdom. <laughs> You have to play to win, but you also have to win to play. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll have the rest for you at lunch. (laughs) So we cut to Michael talking with Oscar in his his office. And uh, Michael's trying to take back his $25 donation. And uh, tells Oscar that it's not about the money. It's about principle of the thing. It's... (laughs) That he feels like Oscar pulled a fast one on him. And uh, Oscar is, of course, insulted. <laughs> Calls Michael cheap. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a question um, of ethics, though. It's not about the money. <laughs> right. 
He asks Oscar uh, how many miles his nephew walked oh, last right. year. Yeah, how's, your, how's your nephew doing? <laughs> yeah. Is he fit? How, how many miles did he walk last year? I believe it was 18. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also, uh, it looks like the deleted scene was a similar conversation that they had, mm-hmm. but it was in the main party area, not yeah. in Michael's office. Yeah, and, Michael uh, walked like, directly up to him during the party, it seemed like. Yeah. And confronted him in front of everybody. No, no one's really paying attention. But. No, no. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's, it's the conversation, I feel like, was basically pretty much the same. Yeah. Or no, actually, it was different. He accused Oscar of insinuating that his nephew was sick. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Oscar apologizes, says he never said anything to that effect. He never meant to imply that. And he apologizes if he did. And, right, you know, Michael's right. just trying to pin the blame on him to figure out a way out of this. Back out of his donation. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, so it cuts to Dwight climbing out of the box in the warehouse. Really just kind of had to like break his way out because of Jim's fantastic <laughs> packaging job. We see Daryl for the first time. Yeah, and Daryl's just standing there watching watching Dwight <laughs> climb out of a box. But he has no spoke. There's no line. It's just Daryl watching Dwight, and then he like looks at the camera. I mean, what is there to say? No, there's, yeah. <laughs> You can't. I also love that Dwight, you know, when he bursts through the box with his knife, he gets up, he dusts himself off, he straightens himself out, and he looks around with an air of just dead seriousness mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, just storms out of there. <laughs> Offers up no explanation. Yep. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Nope. No second thoughts about how he looks. And then we finally get to this infamous birthday card. <laughs> I guess it'd be famous, not infamous. Well, for both. Birthday card didn't do anything wrong. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so Meredith's reading a couple of the blurbs, and she gets to Pam's, which is the exact wording of what Michael said was boring. He starts doing his fake choking and throwing up impression. <laughs> And uh, then they get to Michael's. Michael's joke is apropos to what's been being talked about at the office all this time, but it's not something that he should necessarily bring up. Yeah. (laughs) And it's downsizing. Says, (laughs) Meredith, if you're not, or if any downsizing should affect you, it should be your age. (laughs) You know, because of the downsizing rumors. (laughs) Accuses her of not getting the joke. (laughs) And then promptly pulls out a list of his backup jokes that he was thinking about using but didn't use. (laughs) Those all. Oh, you got the clip? Yeah. It's funny. You didn't get the joke. So (laughs) that's cool. That's, you know what? Actually, I have a, a bunch of these good ones that I didn't use. Um, Oh, what's that? Uh, oh, okay. Here's a good one. Um, hey, Meredith, Liz Taylor called. She wants her age back and her divorces back. Because Meredith's been divorced like twice. Is that right? No, you're Did right. Did I get that right? Okay. You're right. Yes. Divorce. Um, oh, okay. Meredith is so old. How old is she? Well, everybody can do it. Every- Meredith is so old. How old is she? She's so old, she went into an antique store and they kept her. 
But that wasn't even mine. I got that off the internet website, so don't get mad at me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we should put in the deleted scene version there. Yeah. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. Throw that in. It's uh, it's pretty tough to see and hear. Yeah. (laughs) So Michael follows, in the deleted scene, Michael follows that up with his hysterectomy joke. (laughs) Yeah. Meredith gets that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what was it? It was something like, uh, the only difference between Meredith and Michael Jackson is that Meredith's surgery was necessary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Which, of geez. course, results in Meredith yeah. breaking down crying and being comforted by Pam, Angela, right. and Phyllis, <laughs> while Michael separates himself further and... Uh, don't yeah don't comfort her she doesn't need that accuses her of being really unprofessional (laughs) this is a roast this is what happens this is what you do at a roast come on oh that's great so as he sees his plan for a morale boost fall apart before his eyes michael makes one last ditch effort to save the mood by flaunting his walkathon donation amount Hoping that like his his act of charity is gonna make everybody happy again, and uh, of course that works out. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't really get much of a reaction, but we do get a talking head of Michael following this. I want to be the guy who gives everything back, a check for the kids and for the team. I want it to be like, hey, who donated that hospital wing that is saving so many lives? Um, well, I don't, I don't know. It was anonymous. Well, guess what? That was Michael Scott. But, I, it was anonymous. How do you know? Because I'm him. (laughs) (laughs) This is basically Michael just turning that into a scene from a movie that he's writing in his head now about himself. (laughs) And of course, in every fantasy situation, Michael paints himself as being very affluent. Yeah, it's, it's not that he's donating $25 a mile for a walkathon. Yeah. He's now paid anonymously for an entire <laughs> hospital wing, <laughs> which he seemingly hangs out outside of right. just so that he can comment to random people that he's anonymous. <laughs> that he's the person that anonymously donated it. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I'd believe anyone trying to claim an anonymous donation. What if it was Ted Danson? Yeah. <laughs> or Larry David. Yeah, that was the first thing I thought of, actually. You're not going to believe T? <laughs> so, as it turns out, in a very brief clip, we find out that Michael didn't really have to jump the shark when it came to throwing Meredith's birthday because it was actually Ryan's birthday all along. (laughs) He just didn't show up on the list of, of birthdays because he's a temp and they probably didn't update that list with his birthday. Really? Today? Yeah. (laughs) Happy birthday. Thanks. I could say something. Don't do that. Brief clip, but a good one. Yeah, such a great (laughs) little exchange. 
Yeah, I, I feel like there's a number of little fun Ryan Toby exchanges where they, you know, yeah. have much more cordial interactions than most people in the office have with one another. I feel like they both like look around and can recognize like all of these people are crazy, right? It's not just me, and they they both see that in each other. Yeah, and they're both still relatively normal at this point in the series. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Toby. Toby doesn't really change that much. He does some weird. He does some Late weird. Seasons, pre- Toby. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Ryan definitely falls off the deep end faster than Toby, though. Yeah, but I feel like Toby finds a lower bottom somehow <laughs> <laughs> with his Chad Flenderman novels. <laughs> yeah, He's harping on and on I mean, about I, the Scranton Strangler. I guess you're right. <laughs> I mean, nobody wants to hear about your. Toby never ends up working at a bowling alley, though. Your sex-addicted black detective, Toby. (laughs) He doesn't want women. He just misses his wife. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Uh, So following this, Jim tells Pam that he told Dwight he needs to go to Stamford to spy on the other branch, and that he needs to go undercover. And the only way he can really do that is if he dyes his hair. And as he's telling Pam this, they're both like laughing hysterically and kind of like, you know, flirtily touching. And Jim kind of like grabs Pam's hand as they're laughing. Yeah, I feel like it's almost like he puts his hand into her hand and she grabs it. Either way. Yeah. They slip semi-awkwardly into a handhold. Yeah. Kind of half hug. Right. And uh, as this is happening, Roy walks in from downstairs in the warehouse. And uh, trying to cop a fuel halpert. Yeah. This is the first time you see a heated exchange between Roy and Jim. And uh, he pretty much just marches Pam out. Yeah. Jim Jim backs off and he's just like, oh, oh, uh, how do I explain this? Um, and then he launches into the whole explanation of how Dwight, you know, wanted to start an alliance with him and uh, that they were just pranking him through it. And, like, of course, nobody is going to get the context of this. And Roy looks at Dwight and is like, an alliance? What is he talking about? <laughs> Dwight's also half hiding in a potted tree. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> he is kind of hiding behind, like, the... Yeah, the potted plant in the office. And uh, he very calmly looks at Roy and just says, I have no idea what he's talking about. (laughs) Throwing Jim under the bus. And also being true to the Alliance. Top secret. Mm, Good point. Yeah. And he's holding up his end. I didn't really think about it that way. Dwight's not one to break security protocol. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. But then, you know, as we see in this next scene, you know, he is talking about how he kind of threw Jim under the bus intentionally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Made him learn a valuable lesson. Yeah. He had a final talking head with Dwight. Very diabolical. Did you notice his hair in that final scene? Yeah, it's (laughs) bleached blonde. As well as his eyebrows and his sideburns. I like that the Alliance, and his hair is not dyed when he's half hiding in the tree, and Roy confronts him, so, yeah, I think Dwight considers the plan is still in effect. Mm. 
Yeah. He's got to go spy on these other branches for his job. Right. It's true. And that's it. End of the episode. Yeah. And now it's time for ratings. So what do you think about this episode, Rob? Overall thoughts, feel? I liked it. This is probably maybe my favorite episode of season one. I think I'd agree with you there. Yeah. Um, it kept, I think, you know, I think uh, Brian Gordon's previous work really shows in this episode just that he's like, he knows the machinations of a sitcom. Yeah, it feels much more structured than any of the episodes before it. Yeah. And I feel like it also packs a lot in. It does. And, uh, but it doesn't feel overloaded at all. It, it just mm. has a very natural flow to it. Yeah. The whole alliance aspect really, um, there's just so much fertile ground to really mm-hmm. mess with Dwight and all of that. That was great. Then we have a solid B plot with Meredith's birthday. Yeah. Um, as far as ratings go, hmm. moment is going to be your bushiest beaver. <laughs> I think I would give it eight out of ten pooping lambs. Eight out of ten pooping lambs. Yeah, pooping all over you, pooping all over the office. Nice. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I know I gave Diversity Day nine and a half, but again, I think... I don't remember that. Yeah, that was a high rating. And and again, I I mentioned in that episode that it wasn't because it was funniest. I just thought it was also well put together and handled race relations in an intelligent intelligent way. So Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I I liked that episode more for its social commentary than its comedy. This one I liked more for the comedy. Right. Yeah. I think I might be a little more generous than you and give it eight and a half divorces out of (laughs) ten. That's only one and a half more than Liz Taylor actually had throughout her life. Really? She was divorced seven times. Wow. Yeah. Well... I guess I'll let this office know, this office episode that uh, Liz Taylor called. She almost wants her rating slash divorces back. (laughs) That is impressive. Right. I feel like at a certain point she has to start wondering if it's her. Yeah. (laughs) You know, some people just aren't built for the monogamous lifestyle. No. Is she single now? That's the question. She's dead. Oh. How long has that been going on? <laughs> Since the early 2000s, I believe. Uh, yeah. She was a delicate flower. Ah, she died in 2011. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot of divorces. So she was still alive when this episode was filmed. wonder if she saw it. Doubt, I doubt it. I, I don't know anything about her, but I doubt it too. She's Cleopatra. <laughs> yeah, I still don't know anything about her. I mean, as a person. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. 
She also did perfume commercials. That's what I remember most about her, just because that was the only relevant thing she was doing during my childhood. So, and she has purple eyes. Had purple eyes. Oh, right. Yeah. Wow. I wonder how rare that is. That's got to be super rare. Yeah, it is very rare. Yeah. Just for anybody still listening, you know, this is part two of our office podcast, <laughs> Cool Down, you know, Liz Taylor talk. <laughs> Just going to dive right into baseless speculation about Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we're going to try to get an interview with her, so who cares? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only reason we'd ever speak nicely about anybody when it comes down to it. The second we reach out to Ken Kwapi and he turns us down, you know, forget about him. Yeah. He's dead to us. I'm going to revise that eight and a half down to a two and a half. Uh. Hey, paper people, we want to hear from you guys. Drop us a line. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash out of paper pod. You can follow our Instagram feed at out of paper pod or hit us up on Twitter at opaperpod. Which to me sounds like oh Tenenbaum, but Twitter just assigned us this name and now we're stuck with it. So thanks, Twitter. Well, all right, guys, that's it. Hope you enjoyed episode four. And we'll see you in the next one. Sounds like a plan. Out of paper, out of stock, with friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Mike and Stanley, Jim DeWine and Creek, call Indian Kelly for your business paper needs. Call Dr. Mifflin. People, persons, paper, people. Dr. Mifflin. Stop, 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 stop. Out of Paper is not endorsed by DLD Productions or NBC and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The Office, the Office logo, and all character, pictures, and audio of The Office are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their registered copyright holders.